This episode of Slapcast is proudly sponsored by Manifest Media. Building a brand is hard, but Manifest Media is here to help you improve your social channels and digital marketing strategies. Visit manifestmedia.info for more information. Back to Slapcast. This is episode nine of our coverage of the 2021-22 season. I'm your host Gage, as usual, and on this fine evening, on which I hear there is a holiday, supposedly, I'm kind of unaware of its existence. To be honest, I don't know what Valentine's Day is. I've never heard of it. Um, yeah. Never actually even spoken to a woman. So, um, but me too, bro. Maybe there is uh, one amongst our number who has spoken to a woman. I believe that's Josh. Uh, Josh, how are you? This is true. I'm good. How are you? Uh, mostly exhausted and disappointed at myself for not having talked to a woman. So that's fair. Yeah, that's generally my mind state right now. And uh, we're also joined by Reese, who's alive and well. I think. Hello, Reese. I am alive and well. Hello. I think my exact text to you when you texted, um, "Are y'all busy with any plans tonight, or are we podcasting?" I said, "I am very single and ready to go." Yeah. <laughs> Which I emphasized and then had to clarify that I wasn't flaming you. I was flaming myself. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Ethan as well. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Gage. I'm in the same boat. I, I've i been a little it's bit better in my endeavors, but I am still not having talked to a woman. Yep. Yep. That's the way it goes. Um, we will not leave for that. Me. Yeah, shut up. We will leave that subject behind very quickly. Um, and Olivia real. Yeah. <laughs> she, I, I hear that she, you know, goes to a different school. Uh, you know, that's yeah. what they all say about <laughs> their imaginary girlfriends. <laughs> I guess she's not even your girlfriend anymore. Is she? I can't even say that. No. Yeah. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> uh, for those who didn't hear the other episode, that would be fiance, not ex. For everyone, for anybody wondering, that sounds like a kind of that sounded ominous in nature. But um, something that is hopefully not ominous in nature is what I'm assuming is going to be Josh's random question. Although it's not ominous at all. Okay, what ahead. is your? This is a two-parter. Kind of, it it might be a one-parter depending on the person. What is your favorite? winter olympic sport to watch and what winter olympic sport would you like to do and be like an olympian at uh, my favorite to watch is probably figure skating if i could be really good at any winter olympic sport it'd probably be like the the like x game snowboarding one. Oh yeah like the three or four different ones there. yeah like half pipe or what or like Something like that. Yeah, one of the ones where they snowboard and do tricks. They got like the half pipe, the big air, and even like the mo the moguls. They do shit on that too. Yeah, moguls is one of those. Did you see that thing? There was one Olympian. I can't remember where she was from, but uh, she was doing the ski mogul event, and she lost a ski and finished the mogul event with only one ski. It was pretty. It was pretty badass. But 
I mean, my mine's a one-parter. My favorite sport, and pretty much the only sport I do watch, is hockey. Uh, and the one I would like to be good at is hockey. So, <laughs> uh, pretty boring, but yeah. Um, I've been keeping too much uh, up with the Winter Olympics, but when I do see like highlights, I've seen like the figure skating and a little bit of snowboarding and hockey as well. But I think I think we could tear it up in bobsled or bobsledding. What do we think, guys? I am not opposed to a slap bobcast bobcast bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> the slap bobcast it's gonna be our special where it's uh youtube only and we do bobsledding yeah that would just, be sick we could just do the podcast while we're while bobsledding, bobsledding like yeah. have gopros that'd be epic that'd be kind of live so mine is a multi-part question because i've been watching the shit out of the olympics i almost contemplated like switching to like a night up at night schedule so i could watch the olympics realize it was a bad idea before I tried, which I guess is probably a good thing. So the one I wish I could be an Olympian at is definitely hockey, because if you're an Olympian in hockey, you probably don't have to work like a, a job to like, and still be able to do it. Like some of these people like, oh, they're a professional curler, but oh shit, they're a dentist on a Tuesday. Like, eh. But like the most but the other one would be biathlon. Biathlon looks like it's a lot. I would enjoy that. I like running, so it's kind of like running in the Winter Olympics-ish. Yeah, you're amazing. I just like the shooting. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I like the cross-country skiing and the biathlon stuff. It's pretty cool, too. Like, um, But my, I think my favorite to watch is Skeleton. Because you got to be like some back shit kind of crazy if you go down that thing head first going like 80 miles an hour. Like I mean, that, I, that I think I would insane. rather do skeleton than luge because at least with skeleton, like, you can see exactly where you're going. Yeah, but like with skeleton, if you put that bitch sideways, you could snap your fucking neck off. I feel like you could with luge too. Yeah, but at least luge, you're going like backwards. Your head's not first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. I guess broken legs is preferable to a broken neck, but there was this Polish dude who he was practicing on the Olympic track. And I guess there was this gate because they were testing out different start points. Oh. And I guess he didn't re They told him the gate wasn't supposed to be open, but it was. He shattered his kneecap and had a 40-centimeter cut to the bone on his leg. That happened in November. The dude was doing it again in January, and it was in the Olympics and got, like, eighth. Yeah, Eastern Europeans. He's built different. <laughs> Eastern Europeans and snow are just, it's just a combination of the ages. But yeah, I don't, I love the Winter Olympics. There's just so much random shit that probably like wouldn't be a sport if people weren't living in stupidly cold countries and bored in the winters. You are the obscure sport man. Without a doubt. I am the obscure. Yeah. The Guinness Six Nation round of second round started this weekend if you've never watched rugby i highly encourage it if you have peacock i am actually who do you have going all the way yeah sorry who do you have going all the way so i think it's going to be between wales and france that's yeah. who it's been the past few years but Wales, i think it's going to be france because france 
everybody's kind of getting in their prime at the end of their prime. They're kind of getting there, and Wales have a lot of aging players. But I think England England's got a lot of really good young players that haven't really hit their prime yet. So I'm gonna go with France. But I'm just I'm hoping Italy can win a game for the first time in like seven years in the competition. I am sort of but, a proxy to rugby right now because my one of my roommates is on the Baylor rugby team and also one of my good friends is also on the Baylor rugby team unrelated but they both are I knew them in separate really places cool. and they're both on the rugby team so if you haven't watched rugby I wouldn't say start with like the Avia premiership it's okay but um the Six Nations is pretty good it so like if y'all got time on like a Saturday I think the next one's on like two weeks I would recommend it. There's actually a professional team in Dallas, and I think I'm going to go to one of the games. Yeah, that's new, isn't break. it? Yeah, they play in the old uh, Rangers Stadium. Oh, what? I'm glad, they're, I'm glad they're using it for something. Yeah, that's so like they built, whenever they built the new one, they built a football stands in the old one. It's like, excuse me. Like, they play football games and rugby games in there now. So, like, whenever, like, the startup leagues, I don't remember if it was the XFL or the AAF, when they played, like, their spring league, they played inside the uh, old Ranger Stadium. It's called Choctaw Stadium, though, which I guess kind of makes sense. But, yeah, the, I haven't looked at the ticket prices yet, but I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Well, moving from uh, a lot of obscure-ish sports no disrespect intended of course to probably the least obscure sport in history um we have some premier league action to discuss for the first time in quite some time it has been many moons since we had such to discuss but here we are and we have two well most of us have two uh match weeks to discuss reese and arsenal were victim of chelsea being in qatar question mark Club, yeah, Club World Cup. Yeah. Did y'all see uh, Craig Burley, the Scottish guy, for um, ESPN's like just like go off on them on the on off, Chelsea? Yeah. For going Why? or just like not for going, but for like celebrating the way that they did. I don't understand. Okay, I'm gonna get this later, but I don't understand the obsession with the way people celebrate, like. Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't fully understand. I think his thing about it was like you're 16 points back of City in the league. Like, why are you celebrating when you have like? You're right. They should win and then walk off without doing anything. I don't think they should, but I kind of somewhat understand where he's coming from. Right. I do think it's a stupid trophy. Like, it makes no sense to have. Like. Is it? Is it finished? I care so little that i don't yeah they they won chelsea won shocker but it's just weird to i don't know like it's fun to win so you know it's shitty when it's an obscure competition that i don't even watch like i had an opportunity to watch a team from oceania oceania play and i didn't watch it I mean, I completely forgot it was a thing. So. I only I knew, knew about like it because I... I saw that Arsenal's game got postponed and then remembered that it was a thing. So I only remember when I see like Fox Sports randomly posts, oh, Club America and Al-Halal from fucking Egypt play. And it's like, oh, this is a competition and a goal I could care less about. So, 
Anyway, yes, Arsenal didn't play midweek. Um, I just wanted to say Al Halal is not from Egypt. <laughs> oh, wow. I was googling Al, Al. quickly to discover whether that was true or not, but <laughs> it wasn't. I said it. I knew I was wrong. I was just say Al Ali is from Saudi Arabia, and I was relatively certain it's, of that, but it's Al Ali. Yes, excellent. Uh, Which their stadium, okay, off topic, but their stadium is insane. It sits like 80,000 people and it's full like every match. Is day. it in Cairo? I'm assuming it's in Cairo. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, sure. th- th- is that the one? Ooh. I know Zamalek is the other really big Egyptian club. Yeah. Are they... Yeah, so they're, they're big rivals. Yeah. Cool. I don't know a lot about African football or, I guess, Egyptian. It's like Arabian Peninsula type culturally, but, yeah. you know. Um, I think we will start this week with Ethan. Um, Palace played two promoted teams this week and had two, I think it's fair to say, relatively uninteresting draws, I would suggest. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. Well, let's just say when I was talking to Reese about these games, I told him it was it would be a big month because we were playing a bunch of teams that are around us in the table. And so you'd think we'd be up for these games, but um, after watching both of them, we did not look up for it at all. They um, were... Oh. There, I, watched, like, I watched like the 70th through like the 8th, or the 60th through the 70th minute of the, um, pa- the Palace-Brentford game, and I was just like, I was brain dead. It was so boring. It, it was so boring. I, I literally couldn't tell you anything big that happened in that game. Um, it, it really just goes down to we didn't look bothered to win. Like, we didn't want... We were interested in going forward and playing good football. Um, it's funny, right after the Brentford game, I kind of went to my notes and jotted down some notes um, right after the game. That way, they'd be fresh on the noggin when we get to the podcast. So... Um, the attack was pretty woeful. Um, I know Vieira has been kind of working through uh, what his like starting three up front are going to be, and we've kind of just been rotating around. But I'm getting real tired of Palace fans criticizing players that are not playing in their natural positions. Because I've had to watch Ezzy play on the wing. I've had to watch Schlepp playing central midfield. And I've been watching Eduard play on the wing. And so when they mention like oh why isn't Edward starting they're like over Zaha and I'm like he's not a freaking wing winger you idiot <laughs> he's freaking striker he's just not getting and I will say Edward did not have a good game but he does not get any service up front and so I it all just boils down to Vieira needs to keep experimenting with this team because the ones he's been putting out has not been helpful at all um Shalup Gallagher Hughes is probably the worst midfield I've ever seen. <laughs> well, that's um, brave he, coming from somebody who's watched the midfield for so many years. I was actually about to bring that up, and I've because I've seen like the MacArthur, uh, Mick Kuyate, and Mick McVoyevich, <laughs> and um, all I know is with that midfield, they would at least like be able to hold the ball for a little bit. I mean, we were not able to. It just it was a attack and defense game. Like we literally could not hold up yeah. the ball in the midfield. So um, I mentioned this for- to you in the Norwich game, but I don't really understand because for a while I was like, okay, this is understandable because Ezzy has been injured, but he's been featuring. I think and you said under twenty three or under twenty one games. Yeah, and then a he bit. or the FA Cup. I think FA Cup. was more, 
But then he also has come on as a sub multiple times as far as I've been watching. So I don't really understand now why you wouldn't... Because Gallagher has been playing extremely far up, almost as if he's not playing midfield. He's like almost playing center forward. And so it, from what I watched, it was Schlupp and Hughes having to hold it down. And I, I completely forgot Hughes was even playing in the match because I felt like he hadn't touched the ball. Like, y'all's midfield was just being bypassed. I don't understand why... I mean, you just put Gallagher where Schlupp is, have him play as a true number eight, and then you play Ezzy where Gallagher is, and I feel like your issue is fixed. I don't know. I don't know if it's well, that simple, but... Well, the thing that looks like we were doing is that we had Schlupp and Gallagher both going forward with Hughes staying back and trying to control everything, win the ball back. And first of all, Schlupp started out as a left back, and he's moved up his ranks, and he's a good... he's a He does good on the wings, but he does not need to be playing midfield. That's why we've got like Ezzy, and I'm sure Olise can play that better than Schlupp. And as much as he I can, Rita Wald can play that better than Schlupp. Oh yeah. Um, just I, he, as much as he's contributed goal wise, I this is not sustainable going forward. And so we just need to keep working out the midfield and see what works. Um, I crap, I've crapped on him many times before, but maybe. <laughs> I think Luca would do a better job of holding the field down with Hughes or something and let Gallagher play up front with them. I don't know. But it's I don't even know what to think about the midfield anymore because that's where we've been losing these games. Do you um, think the answer could potentially be in a change of formation? Like, do you think there is any avenue for that to help? You know, I've actually been thinking about that because I think that now that we've signed Mated on a permanent and he's been playing a lot better... He looks so much better when he's got another striker playing with him, because we've also we've substituted Eduard out for Mateta is basically what we've been doing as well, like in the Norwich game. So, I th- in the this was we played Norwich a little bit not too long ago before we played them for the second time, and Mateta played with Eduard and they both scored. <laughs> so, I I honestly think that you know I just complained about Eduard playing on the wing, but I think when Mateta is up is playing, he needs to be put with another striker because he's still young and he's still getting used to the Premier League life. So if that includes a formation change to a four four two, then I'm I'm all by it. Um you know, and a second ago I did just say that I couldn't remember anything from the game. Well that was wrong. IU had the worst shot I've could have ever seen <laughs> in my life. He was I did any of y'all see it? No. Uh, okay. Well while I talk about it, I'm gonna send it in Twitter. So we basically, uh, Norgard had a break or gave the ball away and Edward won it and he passed it to Ayu who was charging forward and he was on the right side of the goal and instead of trying to shoot um, like when there was more space, he tried to go far corner or to the near post and he just sent that up into Rosie and I, I was so disappointed. Because I thought he would, I, surely he would have scored that. So, so Ayu, as much as I enjoy watching him play, sometimes he needs to work on his finishing. Um, and then I, I mentioned Edward not doing good. Um, I would say the only Ooh. person who, yeah, y'all yeah, just I've, I've just seen it in the chat. I I don't understand why is he why is he picking that side? That's so unnecessary. Um, but if you haven't seen it, seen it, the shot that I had, go look at it, and then you'll 
get a good idea of what kind of player he is. <laughs> um, I would say the only person who could be happy with this performance against Brentford, at least, was probably Tyreek Mitchell. He's been amazing. Um, I think he's definitely filled the shoes of Wambasaka since he joined United, and um, he's. I wouldn't be surprised if clubs in the next few seasons like look to him to maybe bring in. So hopefully we can have a few more seasons with him. And then finally, my last line I have on this note is I just put Ward bad. Ward uh, bad. Because he's bad. I feel like that speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, I know it does, but let me explain. Olise has been having amazing games, especially in the FA Cup. However, Ayu is a better defender than Olise. And so Ward plays the same side as uh, Ayu and Olise. So he had to put Ayu in so he could have help defensively. That happened in the Norwich game too. Ward was getting destroyed in that game. <laughs> I don't understand. It drives me absolutely crazy. Who's the alternative at right back? It's Ferguson, but he just got injured again. Five to six oh, weeks. Oh my goodness. So, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... Read Wald? Honestly, dude. At the beginning of the season, I was like, I'm, I'm glad Ward signed another contract. He's going to get his testimonial. I did not expect him to play this whole season. And it's, I'm literally gonna rip my hair out. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's me on my sub box. We need to be winning these games. Um, we've got Chelsea up next. Chelsea up next. So I don't expect anything from that game. But after that, I think we play like Wolves or something. Some teams that we should probably beat. But I'm Wolves. Like I'm not saying y'all aren't good, but Wolves are kind of they're on a pretty good streak well, right now. Well, no, I I mostly meant to say that as like. This is oh, like, like your last tough game. Because okay. like, team, I would when I think of like Chelsea and Liverpool, those are like games that we probably like will have a chance. Unwinnable. But, yeah, but like I think with Wolves, we at least have a chance. So before we move on from Palace, it's worth mentioning the uh, the big penalty miss in the Norwich game because y'all probably should have won the game. <sighs> yeah. Um... Yeah, we were down 1-0. Pookie scored in the first minute. And it was funny because I hadn't even gotten settled to watch the game yet. Um, I was literally refilling the Brita. And I heard happy news. And it was since it was an away game. And I heard fans cheering. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just didn't look good that most of that game. And then Zaha scored an amazing goal. It was kind of trademark Zaha. And then I would say maybe five minutes later, we get a penalty. It's pretty stonewall. Not not much to say about it. And then Zaha, I was nervous that he wasn't gonna like make it just because he's been under a lot of pressure with Afcon and getting back into the team. So I was like, eh, he probably he might miss it, but he actually missed it so bad. And I I think a lot of people were saying because he slipped, and I get that, but I, I was kind of hoping someone else would take it because yeah. he's he's not we're not used to him taking too many penalties, so. Yeah, I don't know how you felt about it, and it was probably just because of AFCON, you know, it wasn't back up to the speed of things, but I actually yeah. thought that him missing it was kind of balancing itself out, because I thought Zaha actually had a kind of a bad game, and then he no, scored he a banger out of nowhere, and I was like, man, that was, like, I was talking crap about him minutes before he scored, um, and then, you know, minutes later, he got to take a pen, and I was like, it would it would kind of make sense if he missed, you know, and the, and the yeah. way the game is gone. That was the vibe that was like like that was feeling in, at that moment um yeah he he had he was in the penalty shootout with Egypt that they lost and he had a great penalty so 
he's definitely a great penalty taker. I he's just been dealing with a lot recently, so um, I was it, you, Reese, you were with me. I wasn't too mad um, when yeah. he didn't score, but um, yeah, I he he hasn't he hasn't been really himself um, in these games. He hasn't really. I'm so used to him like taking on defenders and um, being really tricky, but he's been very technical. I don't know if that has anything to do with Vieira, but. Um, I kind of hope that he just kind of returns back to his confidence. So, hopefully, I know that penalty didn't help, but uh, maybe he still, maybe he still got some in the tank. I just had one thing to comment about Brentford Stadium. I know it's a like they're a quote unquote smaller club, and that they're really part of the community so much so that their stadium is literally called the Community Stadium. I hate watching games at that stadium because of the rugby lines. It really, yeah, that was it really gets on my nerves. I don't know why, but it just it bothers me so much. It's like the those stupid uh, people on pro clubs that do the yeah. NFL pitch on the on the field. It's like get out of here. And I know I, they share I, the, know... I know they share the stadium with the the uh, Brentford Lions, the rugby team, but or the what are they? Not the Brentford Lions, the. There, there's a lot, some kind of lion, I think, but, yeah, but, yeah, that, I, I saw that and I was like, what the heck? I, I, there, I should have looked it up. I had no idea they had shared a stadium with the rugby team, but they, this, this would have also just been because of the weather or like how the sun was going on, some, some astrology shit, but the shade was awful. And so I think I, it's also just generally one of. You know how you know there's some really tough away days. I think Brentford is one of them. Um, oh yeah, I mean they're just they're passionate about it. Yeah, Sorry, it's really it's tough to play at their stadium. London Irish, that's who plays at the Community Stadium. Nothing to do with so the, not the Lions. Not the Lions. The Nothing London to do with Irish. the Lions. Uh, well, I guess London. You know England. Yeah, well, Lions. It, that's you're being generous. I think. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. But um, it is weird to me that their mascot is a neighboring nationality. It's like, it's like if we had the Texas Mexicans or something. <laughs> it feels very, feels very that strange. Would, that might be bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit odd. I mean, I I guess there's not as much. Well, I don't know. Actually, there's been a lot of tension between England and Ireland in the past sort of forty years. Oh, I'm looking it up. It, it is very confusing. Maybe it's not 100% advisable from the London Irish. But what do I know, right. I guess? We mentioned um, Wolves and how uh, you should be beating them. Do we want to talk about the topic again? Okay, so I have... Just because of the way like the teams were like organized back then or and just like in the 1800s, like, every, like there was a lot of like blurring of the lines when it came to um, like where cultures and people from certain countries went. So the London Scottish and the London Welsh were founded before and then in 1898 the London Irish were established and yeah. I'm assuming it was probably established by Irish people living in London that wanted to play rugby. It was established by Germans. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't even know no, Germany was big on rugby to be honest they're not good at rugby at all yeah I wouldn't figure um, no Reese I don't 
but I will anyways. Um, listen, bro, their mascot is Digger. He's an Irish <laughs> wolf. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Gosh! Come on, man. <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> maybe I do want to we talk about. Maybe saying. I do want to talk about the Wolves game. Maybe we should move on quick. Um, no, but I was gonna say, I like somebody tweeted during the Arsenal. One of this. One of these like Spurs like shit post accounts tweeted like Wolves. This was during the Wolves Arsenal game. Wolves could play till Christmas and not score a goal. And I almost quote tweeted and said, <laughs> "Why in God's name would you tweet that right before they're about to play Spurs? Why like?" And the truth is, they they, it would have been true if Spurs' defense wasn't completely like diabolical. I uh, let me let me get this out of my system before we continue because yeah. I wanted to text you on the day, but I figured it was too soon. Beating wolves isn't for everybody, you know. There's no shame. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even that upset, honestly. So it, w- it wouldn't have violated. Well, I mean, I guess technically it violates gentleman's rule, but yeah, yeah. I uh, man, I this week has been really um what's the opposite of therapeutic i don't know like anxiety instrumental yeah all of these things feral yeah feral for for a spurs fan deranged but weirdly unhinged i'm not unhinged i'm I'm about to come unhinged yeah flummoxed (laughs) um i'm unhinged uh but, but uh so my my, I'm gonna preface everything. Uh, do it. The, I. <laughs> that basically describes where I'm at right now. I should should I go on the monologue now or should I save it? I don't know. I'm. I guess I'll I'll open Pandora's box. Do it now. Do it yeah. All at once. I, I'm not even that upset really because I'm gonna preface all of this by saying, I think things at Spurs are not as bad as they look on the surface. Um. I still think they are bad, but I don't think they're as bad as they look. Um, because let, let's let's get into it. I'm going to start on the more granular level and then work towards the big picture, I think. So these defeats were extremely similar in terms of what exactly caused them to happen. Uh, I think responsibility for these defeats rests twofold. I think it's partially on... Conte a little bit for some of his selection choices, not even in terms of players, but in terms of system, actually. And secondly, a lot of players have had some pretty dodgy games in the last two uh, performances. So the first thing I want to say, and I tweeted this too, the 3-4-3 in a vacuum is fine, but in practice, it needs to die an immediate and swift death, uh, especially against teams that are actively known for playing three or more players in midfield such as Southampton and Wolves um (laughs) like it just it makes no sense why we would come into a game especially for the Southampton game against a team that famously has players who are excellent at controlling the midfield like James Ward-Prowse Oreo Romeo and uh, Stuart Armstrong I don't understand why you would bring yourself into these games to be set up to fail in the midfield. Uh, it was very reminiscent of that, the North London Derby actually, where we set up with two in midfield, and it was like an embarrassment. Um, yeah, like Jaka looked like... like prime, prime Pirlo. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing about this is that like 3-4-3 for Spurs 
does not work without Oliver Skip. Like, it cannot work without Oliver Skip. Also didn't play the North London Derby where this happened, by the way. Um, like, if we are ever going to play 3-4-3 again, it cannot happen unless Oliver Skip is the first name on the team sheet. Like, because he's the only one of these midfielders that has enough mobility to account for, like, the ability to man-mark more than one person. Because Hoybier, as bustling and workmanlike as he is, is not able to do such. Um, and Winks is Winks and has a lot of limitations, which I think playing in a three can disguise his limitations, but I think playing in a two is essentially leaving him out to dry. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's necessarily a great player, but I think le like starting him in a two is setting him up to fail. Uh... So, the answer either lies twofold. We can do, try to do what we did at the end of this game, or, well, really from the 30th minute onwards, whenever he subbed off Sessegnon for Kulisevsky, which is unfair on Sessegnon because he was certainly not the problem, but somebody had to give, so, you know, uh, it's one of those things. Um, and that's basically play a 4-3-3 with Kulisevsky as a 10 uh, behind the front three. Or we have to switch to 3-5-2 and play Kane up top with someone who is not a striker, which is also not ideal, but it's definitely preferable to getting completely overrun in the midfield. Um, the next problem is the fact that our defense is, like, catalogical. Like, absolutely shambolic. I cannot come up with enough words in the English language to describe how bad some of our defending performances were. I, like... Ben Davis, who usually is pretty good, had a few absolute shockers. I don't know if you saw the, the goal that we conceded against Southampton, the first goal that we conceded, where he went to clear and ate shit, essentially. Yeah, um, I actually watch, I try to watch all of Tottenham's games on the off chance that y'all lose, because I'm a <laughs> hater. I, I, I pretty much do the safety for Arsenal, but... Yeah. Yeah, um... And that's very uncharacteristic for Ben Davis, and I thought he was poor again against Wolves. Uh, I thought he had very little answer to Daniel Podence, who's a tricky player, but I don't necessarily think he should be getting the rinse on Ben Davis. Um, Romero's been okay. Davinson Sanchez has been a, tr a like tire fire, train wreck. Um, he gets in these periods where he's completely low on confidence and he's just disastrous. <clears throat> and he's in one of those now, unfortunately. Um, so I think just honestly the answer is to rotate him out of the team for, for a while and give him some time to just not have to play because it just compounds on itself joe roden cannot get a game i don't know what he has to do like he cannot get a game uh because sanchez has been terrible tanganga's injured dyer's injured um davis has looked questionable at best and roden can play on the left so i don't know what poor joe roden has to do to get a game but take his podcast off spot i was gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, Joe Roden. It's funny. Yeah, so again, I think Skip and Dyer being injured really doesn't help with these things. Lloris having like his worst game in probably five or six years against Wolves doesn't help either. Um, because both of those goals were just comedic in nature. I mean, like several attempted clearances, playing pinball in the box i urge everyone to go find a clip of the first goal on twitter that i sent this in our group chat too and just watch the right hand corner of the penalty area when 
the wolves the ball gets delivered into the wolves uh attack or i guess the spurs penalty area there are no less than five white shirts lined up side by side standing still yeah not moving like not moving and watching the ball ping ping around in the area and it drops to the one man you don't want it to fall to in Raul Jimenez and he just pings one into the top corner um I mean traffic cone stuff really some of the worst collective defending I've seen in a long old time um so I would urge anyone to just go observe that particular uh, pattern of play. And um, I just think there's this lingering problem of Spurs continuously not being able to dominate a game uh, where the opposition plays anything other than a high line. And by high line, I mean having their defense position at the halfway line, like Leicester decided to for some reason. Um, we'll get to that one in a minute. Those are the only teams that Spurs can dominate games against. If there's a mid-block or a low-block, we are left floundering, essentially, as far as chance creation is concerned. And the issue is basically this. Spurs have to recruit players that are both uh, disciplined enough to follow Conte's system and patterns to a T, but also technically sound enough to make things happen if the system cannot and i'm not sure there's a whole lot of players like that in the world let alone in spurs squad um so it's really a difficult situation because we are really bad at breaking down low blocks we have been even before conte and before Mourinho. before i think this, this harkens back to like potch even in potch era our some of our worst performances were against teams that just sat in and gave us the ball so yeah i think i am done monologuing for now i don't know if yeah i don't know if anybody has any like thoughts on it but i'm done monologuing for now i guess something i wanted to mention was that when y'all switched to the when y'all switched formations and kulisevsky played as a 10 i was still relatively unimpressed maybe it was just because that wasn't something they'd really practiced but i thought he was like i don't know like it didn't really think look like he was linking very well with with the front three. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. No. I. I think I, it was one really good ball he had to Sun, but Sun also had a bad game, so it led to nothing. But that's like yeah. the only thing I can remember. I I don't especially think that is Kulisevsky's specialty. I think he really is more of a uh, in like a creative inside forward, which is, you know. It, again, with Spurs signing some of these players that have such niche tactical abilities, um, I don't necessarily think he works as a 10, but I think in a pinch, it's all right. Um, I did think Benton Kerr looked okay. I thought he was one of the better players outside of um, pretty much lackluster defensive coverage, but he's definitely not the only the only one. Yeah, on Sun, really good movement, I thought, actually. I thought he... Yeah. Uh, off the ball he was great but in possession and his finishing was crap um yeah and that's kind of been a problem for him recently for for quite some time he scored a good goal against southampton before um we coughed up two of the exact same goals uh repeatedly uh but yeah i son son is a, a problem that spurs are going to have to address sooner rather than later in that 
he hasn't actually played all that well under Conte. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with that particular issue. But yeah, I think I, he's still there like through the year, which I would imagine he will be, but you never know. But I would imagine that Son is probably going to be on his list to sell in the summer if he doesn't, if he can't like play the way Conte wants him to. It's, I mean, it's a possibility. I don't know. I don't honestly know Conte's thoughts on Sun because somehow I think he's avoided scrutiny in the media and has not really been a topic of conversation in Conte's press conferences, mostly because all the other areas of the team are also, well, at least in these two games and in all of the games against Chelsea were really, really bad. Um, so I don't actually know Conte's opinion on the matter, but I wouldn't be horribly surprised by that. I would be disappointed because I think it'd be a mistake. Um, I mean, I do too, but if he, is, he doesn't fit in the system that Conte uses, so like where he, he that doesn't not value creativity, but it's not what he, his system is based around. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it I'd be I'd be extremely disappointed and upset if that was a decision that we decided to take, but I I don't think it's off the table. I honestly don't think there's anyone at that football club who isn't named Harold Kane uh that isn't currently actively for sale. Um Christian so, Romero probably. Yeah, actually. Um cuz we still will have to uh exercise our buy clause in the in the summer as well. Uh, for him, which we should do as he's world class. Uh, but yeah, I think that's my overall synopsis. I mean, so here's the thing: the, our next game's against City, um, which, while we do tend to be the team that I think has beaten City the most in the Pep era, um, we are not in the best place at the moment to play them. <laughs> so I think. If anyone's going to beat them right now, it would be us just because that's how it happens, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I think these next two weeks are going to be pretty miserable for Spurs fans, and I think it's going to seem a lot worse than it is. But I think after we clear this group of fixtures, I think you will start to see things go on the up again, hopefully. Um, so yeah, that's my synopsis on Spurs, I think. Well, you had a Leicester transition in there, so I guess I'll go next. So... The Liverpool game, kind of exactly what you'd expect from us against Liverpool. Like, it, not a whole lot to talk about. We didn't play very well, but we we created like six chances coming off of counterattacks versus they were like 20. Um, so I didn't really expect to get any points out of that. The West Ham game, honestly, I only expected us to get a point from. So I, get, I wouldn't have been disappointed if you told me that before the game. But during the game, I would have been during the second half. If you told me we lost or even drew, I would have been really disappointed. So the first West Ham goal was a beautiful ball over the top, and it, it was just a great goal from them. Like, yes, we could have been in better positions defensively, but the the ball over the top was beautiful, and the finish was great. And we just looked flat. Like, I, from, like, 15 minutes to 20 minutes, we had the entirety of possession, and I think it went to a midfielder twice. Like, the the defense just passed it around to each other for, the for like, 10 minutes straight. I was like, what the fuck are we fucking doing here? We're down 1-0, one, one and we're passing it around the back. 
and nobody's making any supportive runs or giving them any outlet to get the ball to. But then we got really lucky on a set piece. Cresswell had an awful handball, like just something like a child would do. Like yeah, it came in on pretty bad. He stuck his hand. I was like, he is look since he came back from injury this year. He has looked terrible, like, especially coming from like how good he was last year. So Tealens puts the penalty away, but I like I was still like at that point we had barely created anything going forward aside from that set piece. But then the second half we came out like like we had looked when we look really good and we look like a good Leicester team. We came out and we were having chance after chance after chance. And then finally we get a, a pretty good chance, put it away, go up 2-1, and we did the same shit that we always do where we just we get a lead and then we just stop going forward. And I don't understand the path, the pacifism when we are going forward successfully and holding the possession. Well, if we were going forward successfully – than giving up counterattacks constantly, it it wouldn't make sense to keep doing that. It would make sense to slow the game down a little bit. But we're so good when the game is sped up. Like the games where we've challenged top six, like the game where we beat Liverpool and the game where we took Liverpool to extra time, we constantly applied pressure and constantly were able to keep possession going forward. Then when we do that and we start playing passive, pacifist, Passively? We start playing like slow as fucking shitty and trying to pass around the back and not go forward at all. Like it doesn't make any sense. Do you think that's so an instruction get, from the manager or do you think it's a Yeah, I was just thinking that oh, yeah. because it is so instant after the goals are the go ahead goal is scored. It is so fast after that you see the change. And it wasn't as bad in this game as it was the Brighton game. But it was still noticeable and ridiculous that so we gave up one that should have been a better chance than in the 89th minute. But then so the the game tying goal from West Ham, I don't know how I feel about it. Did y'all see it? No. I saw it. It I don't know how I feel about it because he went up for a header, missed the ball. And his hands were on the defender's um, upper body, and it went off his like shoulder bicep area and in. Yeah, so, like, I it mean, wasn't I a deliberate. But they haven't they cleared? Well, now again, who knows what a handball is? Not me. But haven't they cleared the area? Like shirt sleeve is legal, right? Like, they, I'm pretty sure that's in the rules now. I think so because it's like, if I raise my arm, this part of my body is like relatively in the same spot. Yeah. I don't know, it, like, yet, I don't know, it was just like one of those goals where it was just, like, very frustrating. Like, the fact that he completely, like, missed the ball and it hit his arm and then went in was just, like, I mean, you could be asking how is his shoulder beating a Lester head to the ball. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, it was just, it was frustrating, and I was really just hoping for a point against West Ham, especially with how we've played recently. But, I don't know, the Pat... The pacifism going forward after we got a goal. And like the first half, it looked like we looked like a team that has had so many injuries and like has that starting 11 has barely played together. Like 
He finally got Pereira and James Justin back in the same starting eleven. We got an Ndidi Tealman's Madison midfield. Barnes was playing amazing when he got the ball, but he had one touch in the first 20 minutes. That was how little we were going forward. So it was just it was very frustrating and it it looks like a team that's had like three or four players go in and out of the squad every month and not be able to play together. So it was well, just that's what it, it is, was just isn't it? I mean I mean it is. We just we have the past like three years now, like I don't want to call questions to the medical team, but like something is going wrong if we can't get out of this injury bug that we've been in since the first time we bottled top four. Like, it's just... Now that, it's, the, now that the starting 11 is mostly back together, at what point does this become a manager issue? Like, how well, long do you give them? I I think we're, we're also missing a lot of leader. So this is a multi-part, probably ranty question. So not having Vardy there is really detrimental because one of the commentators said this and I did, did not think about it at all until he mentioned it but Vardy is so demanding of people getting the ball up forward to him that he forces the team to go forward but Daka that's just not his personality I don't know if it will be or if he's just still like young and passive or like we don't get the ball to ball to him because he's not demanding it like there's no demand to go forward from any like one player and then I also think not having a center back to play like, with Soyuncu is awful I was we say, haven't had all, like, almost all your long term injuries are at one position which is such a huge like crutch so like my thing with Soyuncu is he's a good player but he needs a calm presence next to him and Daniel Marti is a calm presence, but he's not good enough. Like, it it just, like, it doesn't work. And we didn't expect Johnny Evans to play, to have plantar fasciitis that just wouldn't go away. And it's probably his last season he's ever going to play professionally. We didn't expect Wesley Fofana to take a two-footed studs-up challenge to break his leg in a preseason game. Like, and then... The day before the season starts, we had to buy Vestigar with all the money we had left. Who's been like, a train wreck, and, like, and it's not even that like we like we just don't have the money because we're not at that level of a club yet. Like we can't just go spend fifty million every window. Like we can every other window, but it's just like we don't we're not that established yet to be able to sustain where we are challenging. So I don't think it's necessarily a Rogers issue, but the whole like sit back after we get a lead is really frustrating, especially recently. Yeah, I, I so big picture question really for you here. Cause this season, I mean, you've already said like top four is like out of the question at this point. Um oh, yeah. and like Europe through the league is a is a maybe at this stage. So like well, how how soon do you like scrap the league and decide to go full in on the conference league or do you do that at all um i don't think we scrap the league i think the league is still too tight to be like ah i will fuck this but i think we also are really lucky that we have randers 
in the first round. I mean, the the reality is that competition is winnable for you. Like there aren't a lot it of is. great teams in the competition. No, I can't think of the other teams that are like I think, big I mean, in it. Roma and Feyenoord are probably the two biggest like challengers. And Roma's a gong show right now. I don't I don't really know what Feyenoord looks like, but Roma's a gong show, so yeah, so like, isn't Jose Mourinho at Roma? Yeah, that's why it's a gone yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> like Celtic are in it, but they haven't been great. Marseille are in it, who have been okay. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. At this point, it's kind of just frustrating. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that like. I'm glad I've watched American sports my whole life because I have like a view on it of like you actually have to build something and you can't just like build something out of nothing and expect it to last, you know? In American sports is very difficult to get something in like one season versus like we've seen millionaire billionaire owners come in and just like make a club good like with Abramovich and with City. But I don't know, it's we're doing it the right way, and I think Rodgers is a really good manager. I think he can take us there, and I don't think the bottling has been his fault. We have just had the absolute worst luck with injuries over the last two years. Like, what Liverpool had last year, everybody's like, oh, that's why they're bad. We've had that for the third season in a row now. And it, I don't know, it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah, sorry, somebody somebody in my living room is watching hockey, and it's not me. I was like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, oh, so... Oh, there's a Olympic hockey on right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you, might just, you might just be having an out-of-body experience. Bro, I'm in two places at once. I'm telling you, what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think now we will transition to Arsenal um, for the one game that they did play... Um, I found this game pretty difficult to analyze, Reese, um, because it it feels like a game that Arsenal probably shouldn't have won, but at the same time there were good passages of play throughout. Um, so I don't know what <laughs> it what if anything was your takeaway from this, honestly, because I couldn't really find one. Yeah. Per se. Yeah, I think saying we shouldn't have won might be a little harsh, but I definitely get your point. Like. I think a draw probably would have made a lot of sense. But the thing is, is that um, Arteta's main focus since taking over has been the defense. And this is the game, th these are the type of games where you see it come to fruition because, I mean, we would have not previously held a 1 0 win in this kind of game uh, in the past probably five seasons. I mean, um, to take the lead fairly early ish and to hold on to it despite a red card uh would be unthinkable in recent times but um you know this this back line minus a few players that have been in and out, in and out due to injury um and specifically ramsdale i think we have uh third most clean sheets in the league right now but behind ederson and mindy i want to say um but yeah, the the fact that we can hold on to the clean sheet in these type of games is what allows us to get the win because Arsenal is a team that has the ability to score in any of these games. It's just a matter of 
holding on to the win at that point. So, uh, yeah, the defense, I think, is the main takeaway. I, th- I thought we defended very well in this game. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I, I mentioned Jaka earlier uh, in kind of a throwaway bit that he was looking like Prime Pirlo in that old in that Tottenham match a while back, but Jaka together with Party is actually coming to be a very good partnership. Because um, Party has kind of transitioned, we've seen him transition, and I talked about this happening um, into more of a six where he pretty much sits back for most of the game. And this allows Jaka to play pretty well the same position that he plays for the national team, which is where we've seen him at his best, where he plays a little bit more forward and tries to um, play some advanced passes. Um, so that partnership, I think, is very good. And the other thing uh, that is maybe not as, as positive as a takeaway is the striker scenario, because Lacazette had a couple of chances, specifically one that he should have finished, and he did not. So unless he can start finishing, we could see some issues there. But really, just scoring goals is the issue now. Because we got a goal in this game, but we just need to start scoring more. You know, 1-0 wins for the rest of the season are not sustainable. Um, But yeah, as far as tactics, that's that main takeaway was, you know, the defense being very good, but the midfield kind of settling into what Arteta wants it to be, where party is a number six, and then Jaka plays a little bit more advanced. And I think, you know, Jaka is not obviously not the long-term solution. Um, Arteta has said he's looking at a new midfielder, um, but you know, until the end of the season, I think that's the pairing we'll see. Uh, the other talking point from this game uh, that I am very excited to talk about because it is very interesting. Um, I think I would be less excited to talk about it if we had lost. Um, is the sending off of Martinelli because this really was unprecedented. I don't I do not think there has been an instance of this happening in the Premier League before where a player gets a double yellow from a advantage and then a foul during the advantage. Um and at the time I thought, you know, both constituted 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 fouls and I was like, yeah, I'm not really upset with him being sent off. It's just weird is what I thought. Um a lot of the discourse has come in from that because a lot of Arsenal fans kind of were in the same boat as me, that they just thought it was weird. But I, I remember one was like, this is unprecedented as far as I know, and they looked into it. And the reason it's unprecedented is because uh, that was illegal, I think, to do. I think apparently when you have a foul in like a, in like a dead ball or a free kick situation, you are not allowed to play advantage. Um, so that's part of the discourse. I'm, I, I, it's something like that where... Uh, the referee was actually not supposed to play advantage on the first foul. The other discourse I've seen is that fouls, at least yellow cards, are meant to serve as warnings. And if Martinelli had received a yellow in the first foul, he probably would not have committed the second. But I think that's partially irrelevant in the in the grand scheme of things because, you know, he probably should have known he would have gotten a yellow. But I don't know. I'm interested to hear y'all's takes because that, that one thing I read was particularly in- interesting to me that apparently that is is not supposed to happen by the laws but i don't know yeah so i actually i looked into this too sorry josh (laughs) i looked into this too because i was curious and i saw a few people saying this on twitter and it basically straddles the grayest areas of the rules that i've ever seen a play straddle so because essentially what you're saying is is true about him the 
the because the foul if the foul had been committed before the ball was thrown into play then he should have received a yellow and it should have been given as a foul throw and then he was a would have been allowed to retake the throw um however there's some evidence that perhaps the foul occurred when the ball was already on the pitch therefore an advantage would have been illegal or would would have been a legal thing for the the referee to allow as far as the yellow card um like warning thing there's also a rule that says if two fouls occur uh almost simultaneously that you're only supposed to give a or you're only supposed to address the most the more serious of the two offenses so almost simultaneously is huh what What if they're like both yellow card offenses though it the rule says if two offenses happen at at an almost simultaneous uh occurrence then only the more serious is supposed to be addressed which i don't think you count that as i think simultaneous means like on a corner there's two fouls by a defender one like sweeps the leg the other just like has a shove that would be a free kick that's how, that's how I would interpret that one. I would like simultaneous as like the exact. But they same said run. almost simultaneous. That's the issue. Like it, if it's on the same play, almost simultaneous. Like I I interpret that as like the same same like run of like the exact same like. I kind of do too, but almost it would, it is a lawyer. The same word. passage of play though, because advantage was still active yeah right and almost is a lawyer's word like that is a such a horrible word to put in any type of like anything because it's completely (laughs) subjective but the other thing i saw a lot of i think michael oliver was the referee in this game um there was a game like recently where this exact scenario happened where there was a foul and yeah there was a foul and then there was a foul from the same player during the advantage and he did not do this so it's just very inconsistent um, and I think so, there would be way more outrage had we lost. I think because we did not lose, uh, Michael Oliver kind of gets away with this one. But was it the same ref? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He probably no. What probably would have happened is he probably like they, that was probably addressed in like the and I don't know like if I'm assuming that the refs have like weekly meetings. They do. Kind of like a yeah, where like that was probably discussed like what they're supposed to do, and they probably addressed it. Which is why Maybe. he probably... Maybe, but you, you think... I mean, they've been vocal about that before. You think if that had happened, they would have said it. Usually the prem you know? comes out with a statement about stuff like that. Or, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I think you're... Uh, this might be harsh, but I think you're giving them credit for being more competent at their jobs than they are. Like, yeah. I, I honestly this don't... All... Like, only in the Premier League could this happen. I don't think this, something like this happens in another country. I think you have... A lot more clarity on what the rules look like in other countries and refs actually know how to enforce the rules as they're written this also might be me just being but like don't be a dumbass and do two yellow card offenses back to back like yeah yeah. but that's why that's why i'm not really mad it's just you know Mm -hmm. it's just weird yeah it is just weird it was like i understand like the rule if the rule isn't um like clear don't do something stupid back to back then they were both like he like if he got a red on the first one i would have been like 
what you do like a straight red on the first one i'd be like hey what what you what, what are we doing here that's not a great red card but if you got a red on the second one why I'd would get... he ever get a red for the first one i don't know because he's being a dumbass he was blocking a throw-in how is that a red card offense <laughs> i think the follow through through the face well I don't admittedly know. the I... slow-mo makes it look way yeah. worse like he yeah. barely touched him I don't know. I I mean, I he shouldn't get a red for the first one. I think, the second one. I think a red on the first one would have been more egregious than what actually happened. Oh yeah, yeah. like that would have made sense. But I, I mean, even a red on the second one wouldn't have been horrible. I disagree. I think that's a ridiculous assessment. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I don't think either I'm of them wondering. in isolation are even close to red card offenses. I know he barges yeah. the guy over, but I've seen that happen and not even be given as a foul. So, I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah. But, no, yeah, no. I mean, I, all this to say, like, nobody knows what the refs are doing at any given yeah. moment. Like... Um, On the lines of Martinelli, though, um, obviously he misses the next game due, due to suspension, but um, I was speaking about our striker issues, and supposedly the reports as of recently is that Martinelli is currently training during the Arsenal training sessions as a number nine. So Arteta's current plans may be to drop Lacazette. Now, wasn't he start originally bought... Like, wasn't he originally marketed as a striker? Like, when he first Well, he arrived? was marketed as... He was marketed as both. Um, and we... But I think primarily a winger. Okay. But he was one of those players... You know, he's still young. He He's easily... Um, uh, what's the word? Like, moldable, I guess. Yeah. Um... Malleable. I think uh, Robin Van Persie actually spoke about this recently to Martinelli because he was a very similar situation where we bought him at a young age uh, originally as a winger and then he transitioned to, into a number nine. Um, but yeah, he has played striker for us before and had relative success, but they were not in the Prem. They were in like uh, various other competitions. Um, but during those times, we also did not have the supporting cast members that we do now. So I think it could be very interesting for him to get some games at striker now that we have Odegaard behind and um, Sokka on the wing. And I, I imagine Smith Rowe would then come into the starting 11 on the wing as well. And we would do that kind of fluid thing. Uh, yeah, so my, nec uh, my next question actually kind of goes into that a little bit. Um... Your next game's against Brentford, but the one after that is actually against Wolves. Um, and I basically was just going to ask, would you change anything for for that follow-up fixture against Wolves? Yeah, I think... I mean, it may be too early to just... Well, I don't know. I think, you know, obviously, like I just said, Martin, we can't test out Martinelli in the Brentford game because he's suspended. Um, but there is the possibility that for that Wolves game, we could see that change where Martinelli starts as a nine and Smith Rowe starts on the wing instead. Um, if that is not the case, then no, I would probably just say to start with the same lineup and hope Lacazette can finish his chances. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping this Brentford game could also give him some confidence there because it'll be home. It'll be a home game and, you know, Brentford aren't, aren't, you know, it's not like a notoriously difficult fixture, at least at home. Um, I say now. that now, and then we're going to lose. Yeah, well, yeah. you lost the reverse, so... Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah, at least at I home. I, I don't. I, I think away, 
especially first game of the season, it's very different because the atmosphere was just insane. Beating um, Brentford isn't for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I probably wouldn't change anything, uh, except for the Martinelli thing, if that were to happen. Yeah. Um, the other. The other important Arsenal things I wanted to mention was that despite us only playing one game, we really had four results this weekend because yeah. pretty much all of our rivals dropped points. Uh, Tottenham, Man U, and West Ham. So now I think we're officially above y'all because y'all have played all we your games in hand. Well, no, we haven't, but y'all have games in hand too. But we, yeah, but we yeah. have at least games in hand on us. Yeah. And then we are one point behind Man U and West Ham, I think. Um but we have two games in hand on them. Um, yeah. So we are we are poised to take a top four position right now. We're in the um, same knock place. Knock on wood. The, the really interesting thing is that one of our games in hand is the North London Derby. Is against each other. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that could be season-defining. Like, I don't know when it's yeah. going to get rescheduled for. I would imagine some midweek in March would be my guess. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, that could be season-defining. Yeah. So the current um, big like Arsenal saying right now that's been floating around Twitter is that the only thing stopping us from getting top four right now is ourselves uh, because that I mean we are Spurs in a would be perfect fourth position right now to if do we'd so. Beaten either of these teams, dude. Like yeah, I mean or no, sorry if we if we'd gotten four points from these games we'd be fourth right now. So it's oh, I also mentioned the celebrating thing. I don't, dude. I, <laughs> After the Wolves game, everyone was so mad at us for celebrating, and I'm like, you I know, didn't even see we it. just, I mean, at least a lot of the Wolves players, like, said things publicly about how we looked like we had just won the league and all this stuff, and a lot of rival fans were like, oh, how they have fallen, and then they dropped points, but whatever. Um, but, like, we we had just won a game down a man uh that helped our top four race i don't understand the obsession and like with scrutinizing the way teams are celebrating stuff but i don't know maybe that's just me I, well i'm i've always been a little at bit least, at least in that game i've been a little bit i did not understand it with that game yeah I, I i didn't even see it so i don't i'm not gonna say anything but i um i've always been a little bit contrarian on this like because i think i think I, again i'm not talking directly about this game but I just think there's a certain element of like class to not over celebrating like a result that you should be getting. Like, I mean, the the, the big one that you already know I'm gonna bring up is the the one against Palace. Like, Palace game, yes. Yeah. But the like, thing is, is that I don't know if that is a result we should be getting because we notoriously have a bad record against Palace and we're in the midst of a rebuild right now. Yeah, but I mean. I don't know. It's like, like at least in recent memory, I don't really know if that is like as as egregious as it. Now I'm just gonna I'm gonna previously. I'm gonna bring this up because of course I am. We scored an equalizer against Leicester with 30 seconds left on the game clock. Didn't celebrate and then won the game. So, you know, I'm just saying. Y'all are also three points behind us. Okay, Josh, that was not even a shot at Leicester. That was a shot at Arsenal. I know, but I was really tempted. Also, to make who's it still in that competition right now? By the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, that oh, is true. You really want to pull the trophy card? No. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hey, in our history, we have ten times the trophies you do in the entire history. How of the long club. have we been a top flight cub? So I don't know. It's not my oh. problem. 
<laughs> opium. Really yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I can, I literally can't argue with that. But um, I I forgot what I, what were we talking about? No, I definitely oh, I understand your point. I think I think that is is warranted. But I don't. I know you didn't see. You didn't. You said you didn't see it, but there was just so much discourse around us celebrating a win. Uh, yeah, like, if it's a win, the prem, I don't get care. Him. Like, yeah, I didn't understand it. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I think winning winning any game in the prem is a lot different from like scoring an equalizer or you know something similar. Or I mean, it'd be different if it like it's a lot different because if you if you'd beat them five nil and like. Martinelli's yeah. trying to tap in and is doing backflips on the fifth goal like Aubameyang. Oh yeah, and then that's a different story. But <laughs> no, it's a one 0 win when we're down a man. Yeah. It's like, come on, and we were uh, we were away for that game. Yeah, yeah. So and I did see somebody uh, like Wolves were celebrating the win against Spurs, and somebody was like, "Yes, what is Ruben Neves doing? What is he doing?" Like, something like that. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Wolves tweeted after that win. <laughs> Something like, this is the way that you celebrate. This like, it was way. so underhanded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mandalorian-esque. But yeah. I was like, dude, you cannot be making fun of us after we just beat you. Like, Yeah, that's so, that's so weird. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Do we, <laughs> do we have any other results in the Premier League uh, that we want to brush over here quickly? Um, I mean... Uh, not one specific, but Newcastle are now out of the relegation zone. Yeah, and Kieran Trippier is banging them in at the moment. He is. <laughs> the free kick man. Yeah. Uh, we could do with him at right wing back right now, actually. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are out. Um, and you know who I'm actually worried about, aside from the fact that they picked up a 3-0 win? Everton. I think Everton could be in trouble, you know. I don't know. Or yeah. Le- Everton or Leeds. I mean, both of them could easily be in trouble because I kind of at this moment the way Norwich are playing I wouldn't be so shocked to see them get out like maybe that's a bad take I don't know but I really wouldn't be shocked to see them get out of the relegation zone I honestly uh it might be good uh, for Everton to go down because you could see a lot of uh good players in the market for cheap yeah I also just think they're probably the most poorly run club in the whole league um, so yeah, maybe other definitely. than Watford, um, who are also going to go down. So, you know, um, yeah, but I, unfortunately I think Watford and Burnley are probably doomed. The, uh, the Burnley era of the Premier League is maybe finally going to come to an end. Let's go. No offense to Burnley, but although they I'm did sign of... the most Burnley player ever in a six, six Wout Weghorst, um, who I'm interested to see. He is massive. He's so large. Reminiscent of when they had Peter Crouch. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think unless we want to spend a lot of time dissecting Man City, picking up another 4-0 win over Norwich, I suggest that we move on now to the quiz, gentlemen. Yes. The quiz this weekend, or it's not, it's, it's Monday. Um, the quiz this week is going to be Again, I'm going to do the same thing where I give you what the quiz is, allow you time to think, and then take a short hiatus, a sabbatical, if you will. This week, you're going to be casting your mind back to the 2018 World Cup, a fantastic tournament that we all enjoyed watching. 
there was a final in this World Cup played by France and Croatia. France named 11 players to their starting 11, as they should have done. Really? Is that how that and works? And you are now going to be tasked with naming them. The starting 11 okay. of France from the World Cup final in 2018. We'll go around one by one, as we always do. We're going to take a quick break first, and then we will come back and discuss. We'll be right back with you. And we're back. We've returned now for the quiz. Gentlemen, you know how it works. We'll have a question to decide who goes first, and then we'll go around in sequence, and you'll all have a chance to answer. If you get the correct answer or one of the correct answers, you'll get a point, and if you don't, you get nothing. Um, it is only the starting 11, right? Only the starting 11, yeah. The question that we will be using to determine who goes first. In which minute was the first goal of the game scored? And you are responsible for guessing. I don't care what order you go in. Just say stuff. 23. 11th. What? Nope. 31. Reese is the closest. It was in the 18th minute. I was going to guess 17, but it was too close to the other fuckers. Damn it. Yeah, it was in the 18th minute. Um, so, and I guess, oh, let me think. Yeah, so that puts Ethan closer, actually. So we're going to go Reese, Ethan, Josh this time. This is like reverse order. Reverse what so we usually do. Yeah. So, okay. Reese is up first. Uh, you're on the clock. Hugo Larice. Yes. Ingolo Conte. Yes. Hogba. Yes. Olivier Giroud. Yes. Uh, Mbappe. Yes. Havard. Yes. Riesman. Yes. Are we going to get a clean sweep here? Umtiti. I have an 11 written down. Umtiti did start. Oh. I had him written down too, but with four question marks. Um, Benjamin Mendy. No. 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 Oh, oh star. Uh, it was Theo Hernandez, I believe. It was not. Who the? F- Is that Reese's guess? Yeah. Uh, Matuidi. Matuidi did start. On the left wing, by the way. What in the world? What's going on there? Mm. Kimpembe. Yeah. Kimpembe did not start. Um, French center backs. Uh, I'll go with Longley. It was not Longley. Is it Varane? It is Raphael Varane. You're missing one player, and I believe... Actually, yeah, Ethan just sealed the win with that, by the way. But you're missing one player. Which is the left back, It is the left back. Oh, I think I've got it. It's Ethan. Or it's Josh. (laughs) No, Josh was not the left back. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Josh! (laughs) Big man? It was not Dinya. 
That's what I was going to guess. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> since it's already over, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Oh, why can't I get the hint? I went first, Goober. Last week, we did it. If, if the quiz is over. Ethan already won. But um, the, the hint is that someone has said his brother as a guess. I hate that here. It wasn't you, so... Brother? Uh... I don't know his first name, but is there a Hernandez brother? Yeah, it's Lucas Hernandez. I hate myself. <laughs> I should have just said Hernandez. I should have just said Hernandez. I hate myself. And I didn't know there was two of them. There are two, yeah. Lucas Hernandez, I think, is at Bayern, and uh, Theo Hernandez is at Milan. Oh, so. my God. I didn't know there was two of them. I should have just said <laughs> Hernandez. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. You said that, and I was like, Oh no! I was like, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. I didn't even know he had a brother. Yeah, well, I had. I didn't even think about him, Titty. I had Kimpembe and Varane wrote down next to each other. You know, I was surprised that Varane was the center back that took y'all the longest to get. I thought he would be instant. I, um, Titty, I thought was the one that y'all would struggle with. But I guess he did start. Well, um, Titty was my. Game. It was my question mark. Yeah. I. I thought Kimpembe played for sure. Matuidi was the one that I didn't know if anybody would get, but no, I definitely wouldn't have gotten Matuidi. Yeah. I had Coleman written down. The um, I just remembered that because I I remember seeing him in the celebration. Yeah. Not that, Man, that after you mentioned started, it, but... I remember him playing left mid. Man, if I had included really the subs, we would have been here for literally a hundred years, because the first player, huh? Abiel Fakir. Uh, yes, actually, but. The, he's not even the one that was the most confusing. The first player that came on was Steven and Zonzi. Huh. Yeah. Yikes. It was Steven and Zonzi. Yeah, Steven and Zonzi, Corentin Tolisso, and Nabil Fekir were the three that came on. And then if you want the rest of the bench... Uh, is Sacco on there? It's not here. Where is the rest of the sub bench? I don't have the rest of the bench on me. I don't know. Pembe has to be on there because I remember him playing earlier in the tournament. Uh, going really fast, trying to find it. Unless he had gotten, he may have gotten injured, and that's why he didn't play this game. Uh, yeah, Kim Pembe was on the bench. Thomas Lamar, Usman Dembele, Steve Mandanda, Adil Rami, Jibril Sidibe, Florian Tovent, Benjamin Mendy, and Alphonse Areola. Oh, I think Ma I think Mama Saka was like an injury reserve or whatever. In case someone got injured. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it was a quicker quiz than usual, but still an interesting one nonetheless, I think. Ethan, with a back-to-back -back win on the quiz as well. The knowledge man coming forth. Yeah, now that I've got two in a row, I'll make sure to make a quiz next time. That way Gage can get involved. Oh, fair play. I'm always intrigued to be part of it. Uh, by the way, my tiebreaker question just out of intrigue was, the first goal of the game was a Croatia own goal. Do you know who scored it? Oh. Uh, wasn't it the keeper? It was not the keeper. It is probably the last I know, player. Luis that... had a shocker in this game. Yeah, he did do. Yeah. Um, was but... it Vita, the dude with the? It wasn't Vita, was... but that would have been funny. It was. It it was his center back partner, right? Uh uh. Oh no. You said it was the last player it's we like would the guess. The last player you would probably guess. Modric. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> second to last player. No. Did Modric it... win the Ballon d'Or that year. Yeah, he did. Oh. Uh... 
Who that old guy? That's uh, the striker. Yeah. Oh my God, Mandzukic. Oh, yeah. Mandzukic. Mario Mandzukic. Yeah. He. It was a, a free kick, and it like donked off the top of his head and went past. Yeah. Uh, the goalkeeper. He's retired now, which is kind of depressing. Well, he was like he looks 36 like in that game or something. Yeah, he does do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, gentlemen, I think that brings our proceedings to a close this evening. I don't think I have anything else for us to discuss. Um, it's been a very love-filled podcast, as it has occurred on Valentine's Day. Um, apart from Josh, who can get right in the bin, the other two of you are my Valentines for the evening. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got one! <laughs> um... But yeah, I want to say thank you all for joining us. The listeners first and Josh second. Thank you for joining us, Josh. He's currently oh, doing an ape stretch at the moment. The headless horseman. So, um, yeah, I think Josh is, is done saying stuff. So we'll go on to Ethan. Thank you, Ethan, for joining us. Absolutely. It's a fun night. And Reese as well. Thank you, Reese. Yeah, of course. Sorry about <laughs> the Wolves game again. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And of course, as I said before, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Manifest Media for providing our graphics. Um, You will have again heard the blurb at the beginning of the show. We want to say a big thank you to Chris, friend of the show, friend of ours. Lovely guy. Lovely graphics. Um, We want to say thank you. I haven't said this in a long old time, but we are still using their stuff. So a big thank you to Magpie J for continuing to let us use their music. Um, Actually, probably need to email them and check in with them again. Uh, but shout out to the guys at Magpie J. <laughs> and um, shout out to you, the listeners, who are foremost in our hearts, as I've now said three times. And I think that's a sign as good as any to call it into proceedings. So we love you. We thank you all for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. And it's a goodbye from us. <laughs> <laughs>